Hello, and welcome to uh, Podcastica Patristica, in this uh, series on Augustine's City of God. Today we're going to be talking about books 15 and 16, um, and I, this is going to be, this is close to the end of this series, so thanks for joining us. Um, I'm your host for today, Gerhard Steuben. Uh, Tyler couldn't make it this week, um, so it's just me. It's just you and me, and probably my air conditioner, because it is super hot here in Texas. Super hot. Uh... Monday, it got up to 114, 114 degrees. Uh, That is closer to the hottest recorded temperature ever, which is 134, than it is to 90 degrees. Think about that for a second. It's closer to the hottest temperature ever than it is to what people in other parts of the country think of as super hot. So, you're going to hear my AC probably, and that's fine. Because what you're also going to hear about is St. Augustine's City of God, books 15 and 16. Um, but before we start, this podcast, as always, is sponsored by Patristica Press. Um, I'm part of that. Tyler's part of that. Jake's part of that from the Reformation podcast. Uh, if you want to support this podcast um, or the other podcast, the Reformation podcast, which you should also listen to, um, which I'm about to release an episode on Calvus and Servetus. Calvus? No. No, not Calvin. Calvin. John Calvin and Michael Servetus. Um, you know, that whole that whole uh, scandal. If you don't know about it, come listen to it um, on the Reformation podcast. Um, but Patristica Press also has some pretty cool news. Um, we're about to roll out a new initiative in our, like, free education thing that we've been uh, real pumped about from the start. Um, even if you can't afford books... For 15 bucks it's not much but hey i know i get it i get it we're all trying to pay bills here uh even if you can't afford books you can get free books and um, now at patristica press we um are partnering with certain of our authors who decided out of the generosity of their hearts uh just to give away pdf copies of their book um so you can go to patristicapress.com um and you will see a section for free books. Just you don't you don't have to do anything. You just check out, and it'll be free. And then you'll get a free PDF download of uh, books. I would I was about to say great books, but I mean you can get some of my books, like Scripture Revisited. We talked about that a bunch of times on the podcast. Um, get Divine Providence, one of our best selling books. Uh, yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the ad. So Augustine. So books 15 and 16, it actually worked really well um, for this episode of the podcast because 15 and 16 are one unit of thought. And Augustine is doing something It's pretty interesting um, and it's I think it's especially going to be interesting for us to like think about and talk about today um, because Augustine is in all of books 15 and 16, all it is is a reading of the book of Genesis and then like tacked on in the last few pages like the rest of the Pentateuch but mostly Genesis and it's a reading uh, from a very particular standpoint Um, Augustine is trying to hold together a literal reading 
of the book of Genesis, um, taking the stories as actual stories, as actual history. He believes that Abraham is a real person and Adam is a real person and all these events literally happened in space-time. Um, and so he's trying to read it with that in mind, but also at the same time trying to read it in an allegorical way, um, which if you're not, if you don't know what the word allegorical means, it's cool. I got you. We're, that's what this podcast is for. Um, an allegory is, think of, uh, think of Narnia. Narnia is an allegory. Um, it's a story, but the point of the story is to point beyond itself to something bigger. Um, and each of the pieces of the story point to some bigger truth that the main story is trying to represent. So, uh, the As Aslan, Aslan Lion guy is Jesus, and the deep magic is grace or something. I don't know. I haven't actually seen it or read it. But, yeah, um, that's what an allegory is. That's, that's how I explain it to other people, and they're always like, yeah, that's what Narnia is like, and I'm like, cool, I got the analogy. Uh, that's what an allegory is. So when Augustine is reading Genesis allegorically, he's trying to do things like, uh, okay, so Abraham and his second marriage to Keturah, that is supposed to tell us um, allegorically that, you know, Christians can remarry, or that's, that's sort of like an allegorical reading. Even though in normal terms, we would call it a moral reading uh, but that's allegorical is Augustine's term for it and like Noah's Ark is supposed to represent uh, the cross because it's Augustine says like the exact proportions of a human body like if you stretched your arms out it would be like this many times your height like you know like maybe two-thirds your height or something I don't know but Augustine says this is uh, the dimensions of the ark it was two-thirds as wide as it was long and that's supposed to represent the human body and all the all the animals coming into the ark is supposed to represent all the different tribes of non-jews coming into the christian community that's what augustine's doing in this um in this set of two books he's trying to hold together the liter literal reading the reading that assumes like everything you read in the story is literally actually like it's literal history like it happened at a point in time and um, while at the same time trying to read it as like a key to christian um, belief and ethics and thought not in just what we would say like you know uh, jesus drank wine so it's okay for us to drink wine like augustine says that sometimes like i mentioned with uh, abraham and keturah but also things like uh, you know the ark represents Jesus's body and the animals represent the church. Uh, it's a key to Christian life and thought and theology in a more uh, direct sense than we might be comfortable with today. And one of the things I find really interesting about Augustine, and honestly this is true of the whole early church, but Augustine is just um, the most comprehensive and I think the most coherent and logical uh, voice of the early church, um, and this is no exception in this issue, is that Augustine uh, does it with, he tries to hold together this literal reading and this allegorical reading um, in a way that is instructive today because these sort of things are still happening in modern uh, Christian dialogue. Um, it's no secret that 
Uh, people still read the book of Genesis literally, and they'll talk about the literal Adam and our literal guilt from the literal Adam. And Augustine would totally agree with that. Um, controversial, controversial statement incoming. Warning. Uh, yeah, I think Augustine, if he was able to um, read like the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy or, you know, what is said about inerrancy today, I think Augustine would be an inerrantist. I do. I'm not trying. I don't I don't care that he is like I don't want him to be. I'm not an inerrantist. I don't believe any of that or anything close to that. But uh, Augustine did. And that's really interesting to me. But that didn't keep Augustine from uh, believing that the text also had a moral meaning that went beyond the literal. Um, he talks about how this is going to be unsurprising um, to many people today, but he talks about how uh, you have to read a text with the author's intention in mind. Uh, Augustine lived before Derrida. Uh, you have to read a text with the author's intention in mind. And that for Augustine means um, reading what an ancient Jew would have thought about this story. But more importantly, more importantly than what the human author had in mind, you have to think about what the divine spirit had in mind. And the divine spirit knows all the truths of God. The divine spirit knows all the truths of Christian life and theology and morals. And so Augustine would say, um, and did say with this couple uh, books of the series City of God, um, who are you to restrict the spirit of God's uh, meaning to just what could have been known by the human author when the more important author, the divine author, knew everything about Christian morality. So why couldn't the ark have been a symbol of uh, Jesus's body? Why couldn't um, the animals be symbolic of the Gentiles coming into the church? That all for Augustine is part of the meaning of the text itself. Um, and so in this two books, he just like, I'm not going to bore you with like a straight reading of it. I'm giving you like a broad generalization of this 110 page set, uh, two book piece um, because he literally does just walk through the entire book of Genesis and comment on everything that he thinks is worthy of comment, um, either because of its interesting literal implications or its interesting allegorical meanings. And so he talks about everything. He talks about the giants. And what do the giants mean in Genesis 7, I think, in the Noah story? And it says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and sons of daughters and daughters of men and sons of God cohabited and made giants and whatever. Uh, Augustine talks about, like, how giants are made and what the giants mean and who, what the exact referent of the sons of God is. Uh, Augustine talks about the exact nature of all the different things that Abraham sacrificed when uh, he had that dream where the fiery torch and the boiling pot walked through the animal carcasses. He talks about the allegorical meanings of all the animals. He goes on and on about uh, all the different details in Genesis. And, I mean, that makes sense, but I'm just not going to bore you with them. Um all you need to know in this summary, in this uh, we read it for you version of City of God, is that Augustine is trying to hold together a 
um, sort of an inerrantist approach to scripture with a uh, spiritualist allegorical approach to scripture. Um, but he doesn't think that allegory can just mean whatever you want it to mean. Allegory, allegory for Augustine has some guardrails. There is a reading set of rules. Um, you can't just make it say like uh, the ark represents uh, the Trump or something. I don't know. You can't just make it like the Ark of the Covenant be a picture of America. I saw that once on a televangelist that I think my grandma was watching and I was in the room and like one of those TBN or whatever preachers put a picture of the Ark of the Covenant and then a picture of America and then like blended them to show like what parts of America are the Ark of the Covenant. None of that. Uh, for Augustine, there are specific rules. You can't just make it say whatever you want to say. And that specific rule is what he calls the rule of faith. Um, the rule of faith, as far as I or any of the other church history scholars I consult, um, no, it's not like a written down set of rules. It's not like a Westminster Confession or Apostles' Creed or something. It's just uh, the the general common understanding that all Christians held about Christian theology and ethics. The rule of faith was basic Christian orthodoxy in the ancient world as the mainstream Christians understood it. And Augustine says if you're gonna uh, read allegory well, if you're going to read it in a way that's faithful to the mind of the author of the ultimate author of scripture who is God, uh, you have to read um, the truths of Christian scripture out of the text. And as long as you're within the realm of um, the rule of faith, as long as what you're saying doesn't contradict Christian teaching elsewhere, then that is an acceptable and authentic allegorical reading. But notice that leaves the door open to multiple interpretations of various passages. What if the what if Noah's Ark's dimensions didn't refer to Jesus's body, what if they referred to, uh, like, imagine that it, you know, the numbers numerologically spelled out the word God is love or something. Like, I don't know, something like that. Like, that's not true, probably. I don't know. But, like, that would be within the realms of Christian orthodoxy. And so if it both uh, was a plausible way to read the text, if it didn't bend the text's basic meaning too much, but it also fits squarely within the realm of safe Christian orthodoxy, then Augustine's all for it. And he thinks that there can be a billion allegorical readings of the text because the spirit's mind is infinite. The spirit's mind is expansive and knows everything and knows all of Christian doctrine. And so if you can pull out of the author's text something that is also in the author's mind, why not? The big difference here, of course, is that... Uh, Modern reading strategies are based on the assumption that uh, God is only secondarily the author of the text, if that. Um, in the ancient world, um, they believed that God is the primary author, in the sense that, like, we today, we assume that the text is God's word in, like, a metaphorical sense. Like, maybe the text is approved of by God, that God inspired the text in the sense that, like, guided the human authors to say what they wanted to say in a way that cohered with divine, uh, the divine will, like, 
I don't know. I don't know what you think about scripture if you're a Christian and if you care about that. But uh, we today tend to think of scripture as secondarily God's word and primarily the word of human authors. That's fine. Uh, Augustine thinks, uh, Augustine in the whole ancient church uh, thought of scripture as primarily a divine word uh, which takes up and can supersede the words of their human authors. And like I said, um, that's books 15 and 16 in a brief nutshell. Um, he talks about, he divides all of human history into what he calls three ages. There's the age from Adam to, there's the age of Adam to Moses, which is uh, the people of God's infancy and humanity's infancy. Uh, there's the second age, which is humanity's, maybe we'll call it adolescence. That's from Moses to David. And then Augustine believes um, from David on is the adulthood of the human race. Um, and he tracks the human race's development all the way through according to sacred history um, and tells you everything you need to know about anything he feels like talking about on the way. But along the whole way, while he's doing these literal allegorical readings, while he's given you all this sort of irrelevant detail, this interesting side, these interesting side paths, he does have one overarching theological purpose, and that is to chart the trajectory. Uh, this won't be a surprise to you if you've been reading along this podcast. We're only being repetitive because Augustine is. Uh, he's tracking the development in sacred history in the books of Genesis, mostly Genesis, and then later Pentateuch. He's tracking the trajectory of the two types of being human, of what he calls the city of man and the city of God. Um, the city of man looks for their joy and their peace and their security, their pox et securitas, um, here in this world. The city of God, on the other hand, looks for those things in God. And um, the main thing that links Augustine's literal historical reading into his larger program is showing through the development of that sacred history um, how the world's empires grow and how the community of Christians grows. Because keep in mind, the people in Genesis, according to Augustine, were Christians. Um, they had the same faith and they had the same hope that Christians today have. They, they hadn't... Um, received the Messiah yet, but they believed in the coming Messiah, and they held a basically, basically Christian theology in as much as they were able, according to Augustine. And so you have in books 15 and 16, the development of the city of man and the city of God, and their two different moral streams. One looks to themselves for guidance and truth, and one looks to God for hope and security and direction. And Augustine achieves this, as I've said, by wedding and really interesting uh, inerrancy reading and spiritual allegorical reading. And that's basically books 15 and 16. I just, I just got, gave it to you in this quick 20-minute segment. Look at that. We're on time this week. Um, join us some other time. Join us next time for books 17 and 18. I think that one's going to be Tyler alone because I'm going to be in Tennessee chilling and rolling them Dungeons and Dragon Bones. Not, not just that, we're going on a vacation with some friends, but uh, we're going to do that while we're there. Um, so I'll, I'll see you next time.
or you'll hear me some other time. All right, bye.